Hi. Hey, Stardate 0521.2021. Welcome to Star Trek Discovery Pod, a kind of smart, kind of funny podcast about new Star Trek and beyond. I'm your reluctant captain, Mike Garcia. With me on the view screen, we have... Mariah Gossett. Clyde Haynes. And Grant Davis. So tonight it's kind of a loose hang. We're streaming the pod live on YouTube to talk about a season two episode of TNG called Q Who. Mariah, can you tell us why we're covering this episode? Yes. So if y'all were paying attention on Star Trek Day uh, or uh, Picard Day, it uh, <laughs> we had a panel discussion uh, with the cast and crew from Picard, and they did the big reveal with a teaser that Q is returning. So we are watching some of the key episodes from uh, Next Generation to get those who might not be as familiar with this character caught up. This uh, that person in the corner, Grant, uh, <laughs> so that they can understand who and what Q sort of is as we as we prep. So tonight we're watching. Uh, or we've already watched, hopefully, <laughs> Q, Q Who, and uh, next uh, next episode we'll be doing Tapestry. Yeah, and uh, uh, speaking of Q and Picard Season 2, I just dropped a new video on YouTube, on our YouTube channel. Looks snazzy. About Picard Season 2, about Picard Season 2 theory, so check that out. If you're listening to the audio version of the pod, just go to youtube.startrekpod.co and subscribe to our YouTube channel and like those fucking videos. If you do, we will be posting more uh, ongoing. I have a few ideas for a few more videos to post in the next few weeks, so that should be fun. Hey, wait, wait, yeah. wait, 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 wait. Before yep. we move on and start talking about Q, wait, who? Huh? Wait, we, huh? we're, we're talking about Q? Who, who, who are we talking about? Oh, wait, before we do that, I just want to encourage everybody who's watching us live on YouTube. You know who you are, Marge, Lise. If you're watching us live on YouTube, join in the conversation. Jump into the live chat. If you want us to see something that you're talking about or you want to ask us a question or want us to talk about something specific, make sure that you use, you just type in capital P, capital O, capital D, capital pod in the comment and we'll take a look at it. Who? All right. So let's just dive into it. We're talking about Q Q who that's hard to say. So let's uh let's do some hot freaks. All right. If you're new here this week, hot freaks are essentially our hot takes on the episode of Star Trek that we are reviewing. This week we're talking TNG episode two. I'm sorry, season two, episode sixteen. Um, so who's got a hot freak on this episode? I kind of want to hear Grant's before we talk about it, because he's the only one who's literally, this is like their, <laughs> their hottest of freaks. Yeah, if you're new here, Grant Grant is uh, the Trek newbie who's seen a lot of Trek, but not all of it. Definitely a limited amount of TNG, probably only one other Q episode, which was the premiere of TNG. Grant, give us your hot freak on this episode. Uh, you know what? I thought it was an all right episode. There's parts of this that I felt are a little slow, a little dated. Um, my impression of Q continues to be that he's a trickster who is ultimately out to try and shape and test Picard to make him a better overall captain for his legacy. Um... And I, I, I like how that ultimately played out, and I appreciate the actor who's playing Q. I think John he's, Delancey. He's delightful. Um, there are other elements of this that feel kind of slow and awkward. Um, as much as I like Jordy, the interaction between him and uh, whoever the new girl was, um, it, it felt really awkward at times. And there's just some other moments in this that drag on. To the point where I'm like, where's the editor? What's going on with the pacing here? Um, but yeah, overall, I, I, I still maintain that um, Picard's a dick. And there, there was something fun about this episode. It's, it's um, This started giving me more of a, a feeling of how these characters on The Next Generation 
um, start engaging with each other and interacting in a way that feels a little bit more like a family, what I'm a lot more uh, used to seeing in Discovery. Um, my only other hot, hot freak here is that I don't understand why there's a 12-year-old kid, um, cr- uh, Crusher, whatever his name is, uh, on the on the bridge. <laughs> it doesn't make sense to me. Like, why is he there? It was TV in the late 80s well, I, and early 90s. That's why. So I have the advantage of watching, doing some of the watch-alongs with the gang on the on the Patreon Slack. Um, and you'll see, even though, you know, you say Picard's a dick, Wesley's a dick too. Um, you, you get to see that there are moments where he shows up and you see that he's kind of a savant. He's a bit of a genius. And so- uh, got, Wesley Crusher? Wesley is, is, so he's a bit of a- Doogie Hauser sci-fi character. That's why he's on the bridge because he's, you know, in this, in the plot, he's hella, he's hella smart. Okay. He's also training to yeah. be in Starfleet. So yeah, uh, Clyde, you started talking. What's your hot freak on Q? So compared to the last episode when we watched Encounter at Far Farpoint, I like the use of Q in this episode just a lot more. Um, I mean, I think we all talked about last time how it felt like it was a little bit disjointed. Like it was a couple episodes just squished together. This felt like it was one coherent episode. Um, and, you know, I mean, we all know that Q is sus, but Q is absolutely a dick in this case. Like he makes Picard look like a great person, though, you know, Picard was a little bit stubborn. I thought that um, the way they used him as this piece that jumped in and and it was a vehicle to kind of propel the story, but he wasn't in every scene. He like the scenes he were in kind of felt like it. They had purpose. I thought this worked a lot better. I, you know, Grant, I might disagree with you. I know, shocker, um, but. I actually, I kind of was watching the whole Jordy, you know, really, uh, I don't want to say romance or relationship, conversation with this this newbie. And I was thinking, here's one of the early instances where we're rooting and hoping for Jordy to have a love interest that just never really comes. Um, and I was like, she seemed fine. It was This would have been a perfect thing to to have kind of going on throughout the series, but oh, no, it just I never assume happened. behind the scenes, they were totally hooking it. <laughs> I mean, like, there was like, a lot of close talking. I felt like they were like, yeah, what was going on there? I was like, oh yeah, okay. I know, like, I know what they're doing behind the scenes. Yeah. Like, Sonia, don't bring that hot chocolate into engineering. Bring it into my quarters, girl. <laughs> <laughs> but, but overall, I really did. Um, I thought this was a, as a Q episode goes, I thought it was a really good Q episode. Like I said, I didn't like him. And the idea that he would introduce the Enterprise to the Borg, the Federation to the Borg, to prove a point. I mean, that's a horrible, terrible, awful thing to do. And what we noticed, we we were kind of talking about this in the watch along, was our introduction to the Borg is very different than what we, what we come to know the Borg as, right? There are all these little subtleties, you know, they refer to them as their own species and not an assimilated species or a collective. Like there are all these little touch points that it feels like they get back. And when we see the Borg later, um, they really do kind of clean that up a little bit, but no, overall I thought it was, I thought it was a, a pretty decent episode. Yeah, I agree with you, Clyde. My kind of hot freak was that I totally forgot about Ensign Sonia Gomez, who I then throughout this entire episode was convinced was going to die because I don't remember her. So I was like, oh, is this a character we're like quickly introduced to and then is like killed in this episode? Mm-hmm. Um, so I was like, what is going on? Anyway, she only appears in one other episode. It was an abandoned plot point. Um but I love this episode because it is our introduction to the Borg. I think it's such a fun um, episode with Q that we sort of get this almost ego check of of um, of Starfleet, right? Like we assume that they're the most tactical, the best um, 
thinkers, like they're, they're very capable, like they can kind of handle any obstacle you put them in. Um, and to see that be challenged, I thought was very, um, I mean, it was interesting. And, you know, obviously, I know what happens with the Borg down the road. And so setting up this long term adversary, I thought was very smart for the writers um, to, to figure out how to sort of balance the more comedic villain of like the Ferengi, right? Like that's what we had in all of season one. Um, so yeah, I thought it was great. I am disappointed there weren't better Q outfits because I do feel like that adds to some of his campiness. I did like that he kept like stealing people's seats. Like that was like a fun little <laughs> like uh, trait of his, but I, I wanted some more grandeur with the outfits. However, his entrance and Guinan with the the hand claws. <laughs> I the, loved the it. Finger puppet. I loved yeah. it so much because Guinan is my favorite character on TNG. And so any episode that she is prominently featured, I'm here for. Um but yeah, overall I thought it was a way better Q episode than the first one. Um, I think it's a really fun introduction to the Borg. I thought it was he was a useful character to the plot, which is when I think Q is best suited um to to push our characters forward right this is one of the few times we get back references to other episodes and like i think it builds properly so yeah overall i really like this episode hey mariah the only problem i had with guidance hand claws is when she went up like that my brain immediately triggered back to the color purple and i just thought she was about <laughs> to say anything you put on me is gonna come back to you and so I was just like, <laughs> I mean, but it still works in that situation. It, it did work in that situation, but <laughs> it just, it kind of, I, I was lost in the moment there for a moment. And I was thinking, I had all these like lines from the color purple going through my head. And I was like, wait, no, Star Trek. We're, we're watching Star Trek. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I thought she was going to say, you in danger, girl. Picard. <laughs> for, those, um, for those of you who don't know, that is a ghost reference and just, you know, mm -hmm. some Swayze. Yeah. This Get familiar is one of my with favorite Bobby's oeuvre. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> this is one of my favorite episodes of Star Trek. Uh, not of TNG, of all Star Trek. Wow. And here's why. Here's why. Here's why I like it. It's an early episode of TNG. This is season two, and it's actually good. Like the first two seasons of TNG have like plenty of cringe episodes or episodes that are just like unintentionally funny because they're like poorly written or whatever. But this one. It's like TNG on sophistication mode. And I can kind of like give it space for being a little slow at times because it's just, I mean, come on, man. It's, it's the late 80s. So it's like TNG on sophistication mode. It's TNG on like confident mode. It's like a really effective mix of like pulpy genre elements and elegant storytelling. This episode starts out kind of goofy and kind of fun. And then it gets mysterious and it it just slowly turns into this like sophisticated thriller with some like genuine scary horror elements which it like when we're introduced to the borg like i can kind of remember when i first saw this as a kid or whatever i remember being so freaked out by the cube and by the borg and the idea that this is an enemy that you just cannot beat and you cannot outrun you know, I, I remember that being really effective and I think it's still effective. And at the end, when we have that sort of Damocles kind of hanging over the Enterprise head, like the Borg are out there, they know you're out there. So one day they're going to come find you and murder everybody or assimilate everybody. Like that was, that felt really threatening back in the day. And it still does now when you watch it. Of course, we know what happened with the Borg. And by the time we get to Voyager, they get kind of dumbed down and stuff. But here, they were they still pretty scary. Down? They get way scarier in Voyager. Okay. <laughs> um, but I think uh, in terms of Q, yeah, you, you guys are right. Q is used so well in this in, in a number of ways. I think um, at the beginning, that conflict between Q and Picard where Q is like, I'm offering you my services as a guide. Come on. And Picard's like, no, dude, we're not out here to be shown around by – you know, a godlike creature who knows everything like you. We're here to explore and learn for ourselves. Um, 
you know, that's the whole point of what we're doing. It, it's the journey. It's the, the human personal experience to learn and grow and change. That's our currency. That's our, that's how we find, find our value. That's what we're doing. We don't want you. And he was like, all right, I get it. Well, you're going to want me now. And then just puts them in such imminent, horrible danger. I feel like they um, should, um, they should. So good. They should listen to Q. They should be like, uh, you obviously know some stuff. Maybe we should be a little bit more open to that. It's weird to me that Picard is so adversarial to Q. I, I mean, bearing in well, mind that... he killed that, a bunch of people the first time he met him. And and, and the second time, but, at the, the but time. ultimately... <laughs> and every time. Every time. Every time. Right, but ultimately, back. he seems to have a grander agenda. I I think that when you're dealing with such a god entity a certain degree of of respect as well as curiosity is still merited even if they're scary and i'm it's it's weird that picard's just so like fuck off to him the whole time i'm like (laughs) don't say that to a god (laughs) i don't know if he is like so fuck off is more of like i need to show you that i am a capable leader and I can meet you where you are, even though he Picard cannot, right? Like actually cannot meet him where he is because right. Q is a godlike entity. So it's like Picard, I think, is trying to rise to that occasion, which I think helps make the ending of this particular episode more impactful when he's like, of course, I'm going to ask you for help. I am a good leader. Like I right. am not above being like, I need Robert directions, <laughs> dude. Like, please help me. And he admits um, that he's he's afraid. Mm-hmm. Like, he yeah. admits all those things. You're you're right, Mariah. It, it, it I, I hate to say it. They could have shown his growth and develop development a little bit more sophisticated in a sophisticated manner, but they did. Right? I, I wouldn't call it sloppy. They got us there. It just seemed like. You know, there probably could have been some other things that they could have done, but I thought it worked. And, you know, I I look back, Mike, I don't know if I'm quite ready to go like this is one of the best episodes of all Trek ever. I don't know if I'm ready to go there, but I will say I realized that it, it it's one of those episodes that I envy Grant because I felt like. It's not an episode that you can watch a second time and have that same emotion, right? Mm. Because yeah. I know too much that at this point, the minute that Riker and that away team even talked about like beaming over, I was in the chat yelling, stupid, that is dumb, don't do that. <laughs> I was like when they get... open the door to the basement in a horror movie. <laughs> exactly. I was telling Picard to run. It was like when Guyton was like, you know, you guys should leave as soon as possible. And he's like, no, let's check it out. I was like, what are you doing? Like, I'm literally like yelling at the screen. And when they're when they beam over, I'm just like, this is so dumb. Like, like, get out of there. So I felt like it's that tells me that I was emotionally connected to this episode and to the Borg as a character, even though I didn't get a chance to re-experience what it's like to see the Borg for the very first time. And the interesting thing about it is we have, if you're watching this for the first time, we hadn't seen an enemy this powerful, right? This powerful that ultimately the Federation was going to have a really difficult time defeating. And so I feel like I'm trying to go back and think when I first saw it, did I think, oh, it'll be okay. Yeah. They always beat everybody. This was different. And so it, it was different. Yeah. yeah. And and the great thing about Q doing this is that it it really like displays Q's knowledge of the entire universe because he's like, who can I put Picard up against that he's gonna have to ask me for help? The Borg, because how does how does Picard and the Enterprise, how do they solve problems? How do they defeat their enemies. They do it with technology and they also do it do, through diplomatic relations. And compassion right? and love. You, you forgot and compassion, compassion and love, yeah. Matt. And none of that works with the Borg. They're extremely dispassionate. They can't be reasoned with and their technology is light years beyond what the Enterprise has. So, perfect. It was so good. But 
what you just brought up, Mike, I think is interesting. This idea that Q was frustrated with Picard's resistance and therefore decided to put him up against the Borg as a test. Do you think that's what it was? Like, I was under the impression that despite how Q comes into the scene and how he's like, I want to join the crew. I, I I almost feel like he's more omniscient than that. He knows how situations are going to play out even into the future. He, right. he knows the past, present, future. And so, despite him saying that, his endgame was always, what what I need to do for Picard to get to the place where he needs to be in the future is I need to present him with, with introducing him to what the Borg are. Um, I, I need to do right. that, but I al- that also will have this other end goal of, of humbling him a little bit to realize that there's things bigger than him that sometimes he needs to um, <coughs> em- embrace that he doesn't know or that he might not be strong enough in certain moments. So, so the second I, I, it part didn't feel like he was the trickster said, later. I don't know. The, the second part of what you just said, the fact that I need to introduce him to this and and so he will know that he's not prepared. And of course, that does... Uh, that would feed into Picard wanting to grow and get everyone prepared for that threat. I think that's correct. But I think because that is in the text of this episode. But maybe it's sub it maybe it's subtextual that Q is like, I know the future, I know where you need to be, so I'm gonna help you and push you a little bit. But I don't think that's really on the surface of the episode at Do, all. You think the Borg thing uh, was it, like a spontaneous decision then on his part, instead of like all this was a premeditated see, endgame? No, because that what what the way it reads to me in like if I'm reading the script or if I'm watching the show, the way it reads to me is not that deep. It's just like Q wants to show Picard that you're not ready for everything and you do need me and I need that respect. So here we go. However, what you're reading uh, into it is is valid. It's fair. Yeah. yeah. Come on, what Clyde. do you guys think of that? Do you think you premeditated this and is trying to help Picard and crew grow? I don't I don't know if it's so premeditated. It's like it's also hard f- because I it's like I know that the show needed to create another villain, right? And they wanted them to be ominous. And so it's like what's the easiest way to introduce a future villain with like being this constant lingering thought for Picard. It's like going to add a lot of depth. It's like I can see a writer's room making all of these choices, right? Of like how we're going to introduce this character. Oh, let's bring Q back. We're going to make this and that, you know, I can see the the mapping of that. I do think it's interesting. I mean, what's fun is that everyone can have these different reads, right? Like Grant can say that he, he knows the past, present and future. And so Picard needs to know this in order to prepare for the future. And that sounds almost compassionate from for Q, mm-hmm. which is the only reason I would like maybe think it is a little bit more of a a snap of the fingers. Like I came here to kind of, you know, mess around with Picard and his crew I got kicked out of the continuum. Everyone's mad at me. Who can I go to that is mad at me, but I can manipulate, right? I'm going to go mess around with Picard and his crew of people. Oh, they're not playing the game I want to play. Let's raise the stakes. Snap. You know, I'm immediately in the camp of Q loves Picard. Like he loves this guy from the start. Mm -hmm. And the reason he likes uh, Picard is because Picard, you know, contrary to what I said before, that that Picard should be a little bit more like respectful of him. It's that Picard is the type of person who will push back against him. Right. And I I mean, I don't know. I don't know how the rest of TNG actually plays out at all. (laughs) I know there's something with uh, him becoming locutus, like the Borg co-ops him at some point, but I don't, I don't think I've seen that either. Um, What I, what it, it does seem though, from my exposure to two episodes of, of Q <laughs> and how he, he seems to operate with Picard is that he's fascinated by him. He respects Picard, but he's not going to tell Picard he respects him. He's going to fuck with him because Picard, he knows Picard's personality needs to be challenged for him to grow into a person that ultimately he needs to be. And that's so why it makes Picard... me think that he's like omniscient. I, so do I, we think, sorry, I was like, do we think then this new season of Picard is Q coming back because he's still in love with Picard? I, I think I think that's going to be a little bit, I, but I don't know so much in love. I think that, Grant, to your point, 
Picard is fun for Q, right? He is he is one individual who doesn't cower, who doesn't bow down. He pushes back. And it's almost like in a world where you know and can do anything, this individual is actually entertaining. And I feel like he does want this this relationship, this friendship almost with um, Picard. It's almost like the buddy who was always getting you in trouble. And when Picard resists doing that, he felt like, well, who can I put him up against that will almost force him to call on me for help? Mm -hmm. And then he snaps his finger and that's where he goes. He's like, you'll have to this you will have to come to me and 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 ask me for help it's like i'm i'm going to get you arrested just so that you can call me the one person you know for bail money that's a that's right. a really destructive relationship there though well everything I, about I, q is a destructive relationship it just feels so much more constructive to me it feels like i wouldn't be surprised if picard season 2 is a culmination. Everything that Q has done up until that point was building up to a Picard he needed for some end game. And that's what we're going to see manifest. He, he, he put him through all these other trials throughout his life, dropping in and out of his life, to make him and forge him into a person that ultimately the, the, the grander timeline needed for a particular moment. Yeah, I think that's a really good reading of it. And like I said, I don't think that's on the page textually, but I do think that with with the Picard show and how it's a little more sophisticated than what we're watching with TNG in certain aspects, and the writer's room is more interested in creating those kind of deeper character dynamics, I can see them um, writing something like that, Grant, where, where Q's like, everything I've done is to shape you you know, to help you, but also for my end goal, which is also going to be a conflict with you. Um, but on the text here, yeah, just like I was saying earlier and just like Clyde said right now, here it just really seems like Q's like, okay, you think you don't need me? Now you do, motherfucker. You know? <laughs> See, And uh, and what's, what's great is that um, even though Picard is insolent towards Q, he comes around at the end, right? He comes around. It's like, yes, I do need you. And then Q actually um, uh, gives him gives him props at the end. He's like, you know, a lesser man would not admit that they were out of their depth and they needed me. Like they come to some kind of understanding for about thirty seconds I at actually, the end. There, I actually thought that was like a very interesting moment, specifically for like eighties television to show, like essentially the almost like the flip side of to of toxic masculinity right it's like the toxic masculinity would have been no we fight to the death right like because i could never ask for help like kirk I, would never ask for help <laughs> kirk usually right. gets in situations where then the crew asks for help for him because he's <laughs> yeah. just like knocked out or like <laughs> kirk would be double fisting those uh yeah or stuck board. in like a giant vase and like ahura and all of the women crew have to come rescue him you know it's good times um <laughs> but but yeah i thought that was like a nice moment because i do think especially in the 80s i mean if you think of the other shows that are on it's all this like very sort of hyper masculinity focused and if they're if you divert from that it's like for a moment of comedy more than than a than a moment of like true introspection so i thought that was uh really interesting for the time period mariah i, I gotta i was gonna say mariah i really like that point because when you focus it into where we were in a time period I think today you see much more nuanced, right? Like you see much more male emotion across the spectrum. You think about discovery, right? Like I hate to bring up his name. Ash Tyler. Ash Tyler. <laughs> you see him hurt and want and mm -hmm. cry. And I mean, even yearn. book book is like a full emotional and like him being emotional is part of his powers, right? Yeah. And so that is something that we see today and that we're much more comfortable with. At this TNG, when you look at the archetypes, right, they were considered uber sensitive compared to Kirk, right? Who, who mm -hmm. his own, like, 
every, he was a hammer and everything looked like a nail, right? Well, one of the defining uh, aspects of TNG was the fact that they had a conference room. So every time there was an issue, it's like, let's have a conference. Everybody gets heard. Let's figure this out. Let's even invite the enemy sometimes to the conference room. Well, Give them the seat at the table. Well, see what we Mike, can do. Instead of just like fighting first. Here's the, here, and here's the interesting thing about that. Everyone wasn't involved. Senior staff was involved. If you well, look, senior staff. If you look at Discovery, that same conversation happens on the bridge. They don't go into another room. They happen and everybody and like everybody gets to have that conversation. Right? Kayla gets like Kayla's cool, but if she was on TNG, she's not she's not weighing in on that conversation. I wanted to mention uh PW Gregory's comment here. It's not just that Picard doesn't need Q, it's that humanity, quote, doesn't need anybody. But they are not as ready as they think they are. That's deep, yeah. man. That's it's, deep. It's an allegory for how stubborn we as humans can be, somewhat. Can you guys explain a little bit what was going on with um, Guinan and Q? Because nope, he he explains that she. I, I guess she's she's lived a long time too. She's an alien of sorts. Is that right? Oh yeah. All we know is that Guinan is of a race or a species called the Alarians, and they have lived. They can live for thousands of years. Okay. And their home planet was destroyed by the Borg. Mm -hmm. And so the refugees of her planet just are kind of nomads. And I think we only ever meet one other Elarian in Star Trek. And he is played by Malcolm McDowell. And he's pretty cool. And then he kills Kirk yeah. in a pretty it shitty way. But the the whole point is that and, – and we don't know – her history with Q. This is all we ever get in terms of the references. He, he for calls her, history her with an Q. imp, uh, and I didn't know right. if there was something a little no. bit more loaded about this. Like, is she, um, is she like a shapeshifter or something too? No, she she's relatively ageless, and then um, they're also a species of listeners. That's really all we know about the Elarians. So this right? is the one thing that drives me a little bit nuts about TNG. And that is, in seven seasons and several movies, we have still never gotten a backstory or a real explanation of, and no offense to, to Jordy or to, to Worf, but one of the iconic black characters on Star Trek. Like, we never get any real, like, and, and for someone who plays this role of, like, bartender, like Sam Malone in ten in, in the ten forward, we just never get no we 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 get no history. That was a little perplexing to me. Like I kept waiting for us to get it, mm -hmm. and then the series ended. And then I thought, oh, maybe like in a movie. And it. then well, we got more in the movie than we ever got in the series. In generations, in generations, because movie. we got introduced yeah. to Malcolm McDowell and going, okay, we got a little bit more. But before that, nothing. I wish it was almost like. Um the characterization device that they use like on Schitt's Creek, you know, with the sister who's always just like, yeah, like that one time I had to like get out of a back of a car <laughs> at a checkpoint in the middle of Egypt. And like, we had to haggle our way across the border, you know, like those like wild stories, but it like gives you more of that yeah. characterization without ever telling you the full backstory. Mm -hmm. and, you know, when I was a teenage bride to a Jamaican drug lord. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Like those moments with Guinan would have been really satisfying and they're so prepped in the bar scenes, you know, like for that empathetic little like shot of information. But anyway, well, we can't change. Well, the, Mariah, you're right, though. But we get that later because that's what they do with Neelix in Voyager right. all the time is Neelix yes. is always talking about this one time. Mm -hmm. Right. And so and we, but but to that point, we got some backstory on Neelix. There's a whole episode where we we learn about him being in the war and 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 all this other stuff. So that's what we wanted with Guinan. Yeah, I know far too much about Neelix and not enough about Guinan. <laughs> <laughs> you know, Chupi brings up a good point. There is another Elarian in DS9 who's a con man who starts a competing gaming salon in a throwaway episode of DS9. I do remember that. Yeah. So we see three Elarians, I guess. Um is the idea you had a 
Oh, so is the idea that we're going to see Guinan on Picard season two as well? Well, Guinan was not officially, or or Whoopi was not officially announced uh, as a cast member of season two. But last year or the year before, um, Patrick Stewart went on to View and it did this whole thing where he invited. I, yeah, I remember uh, that Whoopi onto onto season two, and she accepted. So I'm sure she's going to be in it. And I think you had a a comment here earlier from. Kern that said, I'm crossing my fingers, hoping to see more of the Q and Guinan backstory in season two of Picard. And I think everybody is. Like, I would love to see that. Uh, just like you were saying, Clyde, maybe we'll, we we will get a resolution to to that beef between Q and Guinan okay, so, in season two of Picard. So this is where I have to put on my business hat, right? And and kind of come out a little bit and go, why would Whoopi do it? I mean, she's a huge Star Trek fan. She does like, to this day love I mean, the franchise, but she I would... could bathe in money right now. Right. I also have been watching. Oh, yeah. I I like. I don't watch the View, but I see like uh, whatever is the 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 chaos that ensues from the View on Twitter almost every day. And I have yet. I was like, even if she was doing it, I don't know when or how because unless she's set up a separate studio in Toronto where she's been like doing the view from you know <laughs> like i don't know what else could possibly happen because she has not taken that, a break that might be what they're doing she might just pop up on a screen or right. as a hologram it might be you know, great for her to just have a break to get to go back and uh, reprise the character i'm just I, I find it so funny though that um three of of the biggest like returning guest stars on picard are all people that are supposed to be ageless. <laughs> oh, <laughs> like, like an uh, android, uh, yeah. an all-sensing being, Q, and now another, like... Guinan. Yeah, right? Yeah, ancient. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. so I will it, say, It's though, like the, the makeup department's like, ha, huh, you guys are really putting us to work here. <laughs> I think... I don't know if they... if they. I'm sure they have the budget or, or whatever, but I've been watching that HBO show, Hacks, that Gene Smart is in, and they have a bunch of, like, old footage that, like, that's a part of the plot, and the, the de-aging... And I don't know if they just like imported because Gene Smart's been acting for so long. They just like imported everything into AI and just did like those deep fake style videos. But they're pretty mm. convincing. So I was like, you really could de-age. It's, it's so getting much. better and better. Yeah. yeah. But I, I just wonder, like, you know, I, I, we discussed this previously that it would make complete sense that Q would pop up, take a look at Picard and go, oh, I'll be old too. Yeah. <laughs> just as like a joke to him. But with, with yeah. Guinan... I've uh, actually done that before. I, yeah, I wonder if there's going to be some some other kind of approach to uh, why she might be older, and maybe it's that she is suddenly kind of hitting the end of her um, El or El Arian uh, lifespan. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That might be it because they're not necessarily ageless; like they do age, but they age much slower than we to do. us. What would look like very slowly. And yeah. and they you said that like, she has years. already a long history where her people were attacked by the Borg hundreds of years ago. So she could be really old. We don't know. And the Picard age, the, the Picard show is all about becoming a senior citizen and getting into your 80s and dealing with your mortality. So yeah, that would track. How, yeah. how do you think, okay, if you think how the Enterprise crew dealt with Q, how do oh. you think his new crew will deal with with Q? Oh, I think Rafi is going to take wow. him for a ride. I mean, because this way do you mean that? What? <laughs> oh man, Grant. like a mental, like a mental ride. I think <laughs> oh, Rafi yeah, okay, would okay, be like, it. she's like down to play the mental games. I think. Yeah. Well, I just the reason why I ask is because you know, Grant. I think you mentioned kind of in your hot take that you're looking at a crew that is they're much more like a family, right? Mm-hmm. And Mariah, I think you may have mentioned that we're now seeing them as like the best of the best, right? They're sharp now. Well, Picard's crew is still coming together as a family, and they're the land of misfits toys, right? So I'm just curious. And they also typically, almost all of them, have anger issues. So I'm just wondering how they might interact with Q in a way that'll be very different from the Enterprise crew. Or Voyager crew, for that matter, which was similar. Mm-hmm. 
it is going to be very different. Seven of Nine met Q, am I right? Because he showed up at the end of that series. But I don't remember any interaction she had with him. So if anybody yeah. in the chat remembers how Seven of Nine reacted to Q, let us know. I don't know if they had scenes together or not um, when he was on Voyager. Aaron wants to see a scene with them together. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I don't think she's she's met him before, quote unquote, met him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's going to be pretty wild. Um, well, I, wow. I think it helped. Uh, I think he's going to. I think he'll probably just turn Elnor into a mouse and get rid of him. Well, I, I think it's it, probably it, going to happen. It helps when you have someone who knows him because, you know, thinking back to like um, the Deep Space Nine episode with Q, the fact that Miles O'Brien was like, I know who this dude is. Like that helped. Mm-hmm. Like that was this reference of like, okay. Um, so even if it's if it's not Picard or if it's Seven, but having someone who can recognize here comes trouble, I think helps w- with kind of the overall plot of the story. Yeah. Uh, so the it only- is always fun seeing how new people react to Q. Like when he showed up in DS Nine, Cisco just punches him out, <laughs> <laughs> and then he's like, "Picard never punched me. I am he's not like, Picard." <laughs> Mm-mm. That was exactly that was literally one of my most the favorite my favorite line in that episode was I exactly. am not Picard. I thought that was great. I'm not Picard. So Seven of Nine never interacts with Q, but she does interact with Q Jr. Q Jr. snaps her clothes away in the cargo bay. Of course he does. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay. Does people on on YouTube don't all go look for that episode at once. <laughs> Relax. Um c- does uh Picard no Cisco and Janeway, like are they buddies or are they like living in the same time period? Yes. Okay. Adjacent, yeah. Mm-hmm. Cause like but, uh, so they they're all familiar. They all like hit up the officers club together and like get drinks or something. Well Cisco hates Picard because Picard killed his wife when Picard was Locutus. Oh. Um yeah. It was in and the so pilot fun... of uh Deep Space Nine, yeah. Of Deep Space Nine. So that's a fun interaction. Bad blood. And then, uh, it? it might be a little awkward between Picard and Janeway, too, because she made Admiral before he did. But maybe he didn't want to be Admiral. So it's all good. But she, yeah, she referenced a lot of, like, in Voyager, she references a lot of uh, her knowledge of the Borg in thanks to Picard. So, like, there's reference there, at least. I'm suddenly realizing that I watch a lot of Star Trek. <laughs> I do. You're, and, you're and, just realizing that? Sir, no, I don't know I if mean, you're aware, but this is a Star Trek podcast. No, what I mean is I have watched- That you're the co-host of- Listen, I have watched a lot of Star Trek over my lifetime, right? I have, as we have talked about, I have read a lot of Star Trek. What I am realizing now is over the last few weeks, I have gone back and rewatched a whole lot of Star Trek. I blame Marge. Um, uh, CJ rightfully points out today is Janeway's birthday. Ah, the character. Mm-hmm. Oh, happy birthday, character that does not exist. <laughs> but in our hearts, I hope and, you drank lots of coffee in her honor. And um, yeah, and in a hologram, soon to be, yep, animated in Prodigy, mm-hmm. in Prodigy, mm-hmm. yeah. Hey, Grant, I know, I think you've probably seen the Borg before. This was their introduction. What did you think about, what, did you find it mysterious and scary and suspenseful at all? Um, I I thought that the introduction of them on the ship, that they're, <coughs> sorry, that they're just kind of like walking around and everyone's like, hey, quit looking at our technology. What are you doing? And then like Picard's like, uh, Worf, get him. And Worf takes like 15 minutes to be like, oh, uh, maybe I should get you. Uh, hey, number two, how about you go over there in case uh, you might die? And just like throws yeah. a red shirt. I'm like, Worf, I had some other expectation of who this Worf guy is. And uh, I was very disappointed in that interaction that he's he's not the uh, confident strong man who's going to go and like just take someone down. He didn't um, have his bat lift. Like that would be that would would have been a game changer is that that thing Warf that def- uh cut boimler okay yeah I, uh, <laughs> yeah Warf i love that your reference a for batliff is from lower decks <laughs> <laughs> i don't know um and then 
the the Borg seem like um they're constantly raiding Radio Shack to make some <laughs> budget bullshit stuff like gadgets that okay. they can like Thank you, Grant, because during the watch along I made a Radio Shack comment because I said the same thing and everybody was like, What is a Radio Shack? <laughs> I know what a Radio Shack is. Come on. Just, yeah, you didn't, it, didn't wire up your own speakers as a kid. You didn't have to it, hot wire your stereo in the car. It felt like Johnny Five in Short yes, Circuit 2 yes. or something. Like, <laughs> how's that for another reference? I was like, I've, I've got, I, I think I had one of those when I was a kid. Like, that his whole arm <laughs> thing. I was like, yeah, I've seen that. I, I love how they like focus on it and it's these little like I'm like that no guys, what is this? It's like a Polly's robot from Rocky Four. Do they upgrade how the Borg look in later iterations? Yeah. Like with yes. like make so, them look cooler? So Oh big time, yeah. I think someone in the chat mentioned prior. So originally the concept for the the Borg, they were supposed to be more insect like, but then they swiftly moved to more of this like ant like animatronic android type of thing um more electronic and this episode went fifty thousand dollars over budget because of all of the extra special effects to do the borg stuff what yes and it's like the the makeup artistry stuff like all all of it is very intense and so that's why i was like i remember like the borg in my brain is the voyager borg which is like way more smoke machines and everything is humid for some reason and like everything is much more like dark and mysterious so to see them in like a full lit studio i was like whoa <laughs> this is this is like yeah friendly borg um they they perfected the uh the borg look and makeup and atmosphere in um the first contact movie yeah. and then Voyager carried that over and made really good use of it for sure. Yeah. And, and we saw some Borg um, pop up here and there in Picard season one. Yep. Mm -hmm. Yep. So oh, there were X Borg. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And uh, there, there's a couple Borg Borg there on the, the ship too, right? The, when they like oh, unlock yeah. them, they all start attacking. Uh, when she uh, plugs yeah, into yeah. the, the, the cube. That's right. But, um, That's right. Yeah. The other thing I thought was interesting about this is the um, most Emmy wins for an episode of star trek it won two emmys and it's the most that they've ever gotten on one episode wow. uh, best Clyde. beard for Riker. it's, it's for, very good it's for sound design and for special effects but okay <laughs> no sorry it was lee's a's comment made me oh. laugh a little bit that's all i'm <laughs> very moist yeah <laughs> very for being a computer-based like species it always surprised me that the moisture level was always so high, but I think if I think people just get uncomfortable when things look like sticky and tactile, so I think it's just like part of that. It's why Alien is so gooey, right? That's part of the reason you're so afraid of that. Um, so yeah, I understand that the Star Trek, uh, Starfleet has this um, protocol for first contact. I guess is that, is that right. con does that. Um Qualify they, for them in, interacting with the Borg as well? Yes. So that's why they don't attack them initially, Grant. So that's why they're just like, let's try to stun them first and yell at them. Right. And then nothing's working. Now we have to send in the red shirt. Like, <laughs> But but as we as we also see that um, the Borg are adversarial and a threat, when they, when they beam onto their ship mm -hmm. and they see that they're taking in making babies the Borg that BBC. they're going to just like um matrix right into the Borg cube. Um is there not an ethical quandary with that for them? They're like, ah, these babies' lives are forfeit to this this Borg hive mind. Well they I mean, they don't know anything. These could be like them, right? they don't know that the Borg assimilate people. So like they there's oh, yeah. like I no guess they're still trying to figure it out. Right. So to them this is how they like the offspring of this species are is like incubated and created. They have no idea yet. Mm. Yeah, they can't ethically interfere at that point and they don't have all the information. But that Borg nursery was just like pretty creepy. It was creepy, yeah. but also again, too much light. I needed them to bring to, I don't know if it's because everything now is yeah. so dark that I watch on television that seeing something yeah. so lit like that. Star Trek didn't get the lighting right until the Generations movie. Like 
there's a stark contrast, like because it all takes place in the same enterprise and same sets. All they do that that the, that the show did, but all they do is just light it a little darker and differently, and it looks so good. Yeah, um, it's do, not all this flat lighting. What do you guys think of a spinoff series called Borg Babies? No. <laughs> It's it's Muppet Babies, but all of them talk at the same time. Borg babies will assimilate you. La, 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 la. Resistance is infantile. Mark. I gotta agree with Mark. That maturation chamber was so oh. creepy, and I'm glad that we went away from that as we yeah. kind of figured out what the board was was gonna be. Like it was like they, they don't do who, that anymore. Who told you it was okay to put this? plastic piece of whatever onto this baby <laughs> like let's not i don't the 80s did <laughs> i don't know who's who you got on set but that's that was a bad idea that was weird it, it seems that later they they find better opportunity in assimilating other people and just yes. bringing them into the fold yes um yeah. do they do but that they across species children or is they it do. always um is it always uh humans because they all look like humans it's it's always it's across species. So you'll see like a There's Ferengi like, Borg or something. There can be a Ferengi Borg, yeah. Oh, okay. I don't know if the costume department ever wanted to make that, so I don't know if it ever occurred. But <laughs> <laughs> there's like Klingon Borg, and yeah, but yeah, they have all kinds of Borg. I, I I was also a little bit under the impression when Q blips them them like what was it, 1,700 light years or whatever, out into the middle of, of this region of space where the Borg are floating around, then maybe the Borg have to uh, have a little bit of a, a baby factory on the ship because they're not close enough to anyone else they can assimilate. Like, maybe they're kind of in a a, no. a desert. No, there's the, lots of stuff out there. That's where like oh, all yeah, of the Voyager is- takes place. Yep. Yeah, the assumption is that there's lots of worlds that we haven't seen, can't get to for decades. Yeah. Hmm. Populated worlds. And yeah, Mariah's right. Voyager explores that whole part of space where the Borg are. That's why they show up so much in Voyager. So is Starfleet tiny then? Like ultimately, like in the grander scheme of the size of space? I don't have a map. It's like four, it's like four dudes. There's there's more stars in the solar system than grains of sand on Earth, right? That idea, right? Then, and planet multiply that exponentially by planets in each solar system. It's got to be like the Starfleet's just a little pinky, like little blip in in the realm of space. Yeah. So like the maps, I mean, they have four basic quadrants that we like work with within the star trek universe that we're sort of aware of and then there's also like the liquid space which sort of exists on a different plane and then we also have you know like the mirror universe which is like the flip side of our plane and i remember when i talked to the um uh dr aaron who's the science consultant for star trek currently um and she was explaining to me how space works (laughs) in like a nice way um you know the space is ever growing like the universe just keeps getting bigger so if you had that thought while thinking about starfleet then yes we are like we are it is like a tiny a tiny blip within the grand scheme of things but it is obviously much larger than what i think we have uh scientific and that we could even ponder at this moment right do you know what i mean like in this actual moment um, okay, I have another question then. Um, Q, the Q. I guess there's more than one Q. It's a continuum. Mm-hmm. Um, They're all called Q, though. What is the extent of their powers? Like, do, you, do if they wanted to just get rid of the Borg in a snap, could they? Is that like, theoretically, like, what is your understanding of what they could and couldn't do within... Um, remaking the universe and how they change events. They seem to be able to bring in multiple people in crowds to uh, wear Viking helmets and cheer on absurd little theatrics. I don't know. What my they understanding, are. my understanding was always that it's it's pretty limitless that they could do all those things. And I don't know, don't know if the, they the can reason cause they don't do them are, in that. The way. reason they don't do them are, are for story reasons. Are, are they? 
are they otherwise relatively like passive viewers, kind of like uh, the the watchers from Marvel or something? Huh? I thought you were gonna say the watchers from uh, Highlander. Oh no! I, I yeah, this I is a more reference like... heavy episode for us. <laughs> I, I I just I, I'm trying to have a, a better understanding of what the Q are. And what is their role within this? Like, do they the, seem the to want to Q, interfere or not? Well, let me now, let me think let about me, the Q. Is that is that they mostly exist in their own world, in their own continuum? And whenever we go to that continuum, we see that they're all pretty over it. Like they're just over the universe. They're pretty bored. And Q is like the one who. Um, has any real um, personality? He's an outlier who's just smart. Like, yeah, he's. An I outlier. want to play around with Picard because that guy's hilarious. Exactly. Let me help yeah. you out here, Grant. This will this will sure. be perfect for you. They're kind of like the Man in Black and Lost. Oh, okay. <laughs> I I I've seen that show. How are they like the Man in Black and Lost? I mean, they can see, and they watch, and they're kind of evil, and they judge. You is one well, no, the they can the do, Man in what, Black has a plan. And the man in black has a plan, and he's like fueled by revenge. Well, not you know, not quite. The like Q that. don't give a shit. No. But our Delancey Q is more like Jacob, yes, who's trying to help people. Clyde, you just did what what the worst thing Lower Decks does, which is what? which is drop a reference, drop a reference for no reason. <laughs> <laughs> You're not wrong. You're not wrong. <laughs> but I thought but I, I like thought there was good. a connection there that would make sense, but. Uh... It was loose at best. Okay. I'll admit that. <laughs> Although Titus Welliver, who does play the man in black, does come out in a pretty good episode of Voyager, but he doesn't play a Q, but he should. <laughs> I'm like trying to see if there's any right. rules of Q on the internet, but I cannot find anything. Rules yeah. of Q. So, yeah. All those questions, Grant, Yeah, like th- those questions are, make so much sense, and I wish... Star Trek had answers to them, but I also kind of am happy that they don't because we can still be surprised by these characters and what they can and can't do. I mean, we, we certainly see in the the preview, which, um, hey, everyone, you should go check out Mike's breakdown uh, of the preview and to- uh, of Picard season two and talking about Q. But we see um, the the playing card, the queen that burns down to just the letter Q. And that very much feels like you know, playing cards are a game, and the game is over. The game itself is burning down, and now Q is at his final end game of of what what his, what he was trying to do with Picard all along. And I wonder now that you mentioned that Q also would pop up and mess with uh, other people on like Voyager, and I don't know who Vash is or Vash. I keep seeing people mention this person's name. Um, is that another show? No, that was uh, one of Picard's semi-love interest, who later on kind of went on to date Q for a while. Oh, okay. And then showed up. And it's like a rogue archaeologist. Anyway, I was just going to say, um, it, it might be interesting if if Q was stringing along several of these um, captains for something that ultimately Q would need. And... Uh, maybe we'll see some of them pop in in this this season or the next season if if Q's going to be in a, a two season arc. You know, so. I like that idea of um, Picard season two and potentially season three, um, kind of weaving the fabric of all of Q's um, appearances on Star Trek and to where they actually there's like a point to everything at the end. There's a reason that he has been doing all this stuff. I like that. Yeah, so Lisa pointed out apparently Q, he, and I, I do remember this, when, remember when he gets made into a human because he messed with the civilization. So I do think they have sort of a code of of ethics mm. as a as a crew of, of omnipresent beings. And apparently, according to one of the books, the reason, uh, so omnipotent beings, quote unquote, were actually rather fond of games of choice and chance as it was the only uh, circumstances that a Q could feel feel the thrill of not being in total control. Yeah. So mm. I don't know if they do have. So maybe they. Maybe they can't events. see the future. Yeah. So yeah. it's it's like God and free will. We're just puppets, and it's fascinating. It's, it's one of Star Trek's favorite <laughs> themes. <laughs> That's see, what's going on here. Okay. Now, now you guys have me curious. I would love to see Q 
and Avery Brooks, Cisco, on Picard. Oh, I'd love Avery Brooks on Picard. That would be that would be interesting. I mean, you talk about a dynamic where where he's this isn't a friend that shows up. This is somebody who doesn't who still doesn't like you. Yes. That, Ooh, what if better God. yet? This is a really good theory because that is probably oh man, that is really what, good. Reckoning tablet. The reckoning what if tablet. Season three of Picard. DS9. Yeah. What if season three of Picard's just called Cisco and it's a passing of the torch? Yes, I mean, please. I'm watching yes, that. Please. Yes, please. Yeah, Sign me up. Right. Mm-hmm. <sighs> uh, but don't get don't get Shabon to write it. Well, please. Ooh, and then season four could just be called Janeway. Uh everything. Yeah. And th- and then season five, <laughs> Archer. Nope. I mean, it can't no, be no, called no, too no, far. There's a, you went there's too already far, a show Grant. called Archer. Too far. Justice for Archer. Justice for Archer. So that we know it was not yeah. all a hologram. <laughs> season five is uh, Saru. Ah, uh, okay. I just want. I want. Clyde's like, nope. I want Scott Bakula. I'm, I like I'm more guy. Saru Trust than me. I am Archer. Trust me, I want Scott Bakula as well, but I don't want him as Archer. There you okay, go. Okay, uh, Quantum you, Leap just suddenly returns, and it's like integrated into Star Trek. Hey, yes. If there's a Quantum Leap reboot, I'm watching that. <laughs> I'm watching. Oh, uh, Jude Beacom has a a great comment: Prophet Cisco versus Q Space God fight. And I should not put that comment up because it's kind of a spoiler. Sorry, guys. I know you haven't finished DS9. <gasps> it's Dang been it. like two decades. There's um, <laughs> but what Mariah was mentioning earlier is that in the Picard season two trailer, we see the Bajoran reckoning tablet in Picard's office or ready room, whatever it is. And uh, um, yeah, that that thing is tied to DS9. It comes from a DS9 episode. And Cisco was kind of obsessed with that tablet. So we haven't heard anything about Avery Brooks returning. I know that he is... Uh, Kind of a unique individual who doesn't work a lot these no. days, but I could see him coming back. He he hasn't really done any. I was looking at his IMDb profile earlier. Um, He's been a professor for the past several. Yeah, decades. I, I want to like honestly. I wanted to make sure before I made that comment he wasn't dead. Um, nah. and he hasn't really worked since '04. Like he did a video game in '06, but he hasn't really worked as an actor since '04. So I mean. It would he, probably take a he, lot to to bring him in, but pay the man. He's great in that um, Ed Norton movie, the one where Ed Norton's a Nazi. What is that movie? American History X. Yeah. Yes. Mm-hmm. He's uh, the teacher. Mm-hmm. So good. Yeah. Okay. So we're all down for a Cisco show. <laughs> if we take one takeaway from this episode, we all want Cisco. <laughs> I mean, I want Not Cisco and cool. Q. I like that dynamic. I'll take that. Mm -hmm, For sure. Well, next week we're going to be talking about, um, we're almost going to wrap up our Q series. We have two more episodes to go. Next week we're going to talk about Tapestry, which is, I think, one of the more celebrated episodes of TNG. Definitely one of my favorites. You guys are making me watch Tapestry? Mm -hmm. You guys have talked about this episode for so long. I don't know what it Mm -hmm. is. But I know you okay. guys are always referencing some episode Tapestry. And then like in the chat, people are like, Grant needs to see Tapestry. All right, fine. It's the next one. When are, when are we doing the watch along for that, crew? Is that on Tuesday? I think, uh, I think it would be. Yeah, typically they do it the Tuesday before we do our live pod. So oh. two weeks from now. Are, are you saying that um, if someone joins patreon.com slash Star Trek pod and becomes a $2 an episode pledge, you can join our exclusive Slack channel and join us in watch-alongs of particular episodes. It's a great little community of um, friendly, loving, and uh, welcoming Star Trek fans, and we'd love to have you come join. And if you enjoy this podcast that you're listening to, you want to join in on the conversation, go to patreon.com slash Star Trek pod and make that $2 an episode pledge, and you can join in the watch-along, especially in advance of us talking about our third special in a series diving into Q. Once again, patreon.com slash Star Trek pod. As soon as we are done with this episode, just jump on over and make that pledge. Do it. Yes. And if you need to find links to the Patreon or anywhere to find this podcast in audio or vi- video form, you can visit Star Trek Make sure you have subscribed to the audio version as well on your preferred 
service, Apple, Spotify, wherever. Um, if you're on YouTube, you can also hit that notification bell because I, since we're kind of in the off season, you'll get a notification about when we're going live. So that can be super helpful if you want to participate in the chat because we love being able to interact with all of you folks. Um, and also leave us a review on Apple Podcasts that helps other people find our little show and join our community. Feel free to follow us on social media at Star Trek Pod. Just want to thank you to a couple people who help us out. Karen, who runs our Twitter, and James Worm, who runs our Instagram. Thanks, Karen. Thanks, James. Appreciate you. Thank you. And thanks, guys, for joining us tonight and for listening to the audio pod. We'll be back in two weeks to talk about TNG's tapestry. Until then, live long and prosper. Bye.